Yeah, so in this episode, we mention the Group Areas Act, the Tokfela, Bonang Mateba. Do I talk about hair? No, no, no. Okay, maybe I do. Because, like, hair is life and life is hair. Um, I talk about the Queen and the River and Bambi, too. Listen to the bonus episode to understand why my voice got dark when I mentioned Bambi, too. Anyways, I think it's a fire episode. The topic's gonna come in after the nerd out intro. Hit us up on the social media and let us know what you thought about the episode. In fact, live tweet your listening in. That would be fun. That would be amazing. The same rules apply. Share this if you like it at any point. And if you don't, maybe like rewind and listen to it again. Thank you in advance for listening. Here we go. I mean, we didn't just drop let's out of go the sky let's and unpack this. Let's give it a context. What's the history about it? What's going on? What is the world? Wait, a lot of things happen to get us here. Right, so this week we are nerding out about black men and black women. Our relationships to one another. And not just romantically in the sense of between lovers, but just generally through life. How do we do that? I think it's compelling because historically there have been a lot of reasons to put us at odds with one another. I mean, capital reasons, greed. Um, this is about to become a staple of a thing that we talk about in the podcast. You know, the big colonialism. It doesn't work if our homes are harmonious and, like, united. Well, at least I don't think it does, unless there's some very serious discord introduced into our communities. Um, and I wonder if the result of the very active subjugation of black men and black women is the strange relationship that we kind of have with one another in today's world. The relationship I'm referring to is where is one where black men consistently seem to want black women to fold themselves into yet a different piece, and black women are still asking black men to show up. That's a specific dynamic that I've been thinking about that made me want to have this be a topic. I do not have much historical reference because I think it's a really tough topic to talk about because it's so close to home in the sense of I think most people consider themselves women or men so I think it's quite hard to have honest conversation about this matter because of that I mean if we're gonna go into historically like the support systems that women have set up for themselves, but the stock failure, bootleg beer holes, the taveni, um, the kitchen party. I mean, while you handle stuff, I have a moment to yourself. Like all of these ways that black women have and continue to in this country create some type of social mechanisms to cope with the inefficiencies of the social contract that we are a part of. We've signed up inadvertently by being a part of society to be part of a society where the expectations that everybody plays their role and everybody plays a part in looking after one another. That's obviously not the case because we live in a society that... Um, enjoys hierarchies with certain people getting more benefits than others and with other people not contributing at all to the well-being of everybody else specifically in these in the black community the consensus the consensus seems to be from young black people that like black men are not showing up for black women in the sense of being their protectors. I mean, if we look at the stats and how horrendous the gender-based violence is, 
it's just like yet another way to tell right when you look at the stats about the gender pay gap when you look at the rape statistic and you realize that south africa is literally trying to be the rape capital of the universe that is physical um kind of evidence of, of this discord within the community and yet time and time again if you switch on the news you see black women showing up over and over and over again in support of black men so that social contract is what we want to talk about um i don't know whether there will be any type of resolution at the end of this i don't think there will be but i think i there would have been a bit added into the conversation from my perspective because i do think we don't just end up here in the sense of we were born unable to hold space for one another and be caring for one another and allow one another's truth i do think that it is taught behavior learned behavior as a result of the many survival mechanisms that the people before us had to put into place in order for us to even exist um there are many ways that black men and black women had to kind of learn to relate to one another in order for us to continue to be in order for there to, to kind of be some type of preservation of who we are now there could be the um, disagreement to that saying um that because we were not living in a pre-colonial utopia there are chances that all that colonialism did was be a spark to an already um their barrel of gunpowder that is um whatever discord or disparities there might have been between gender relations on the continent we won't know because african studies even on the african continent but specifically in this country aren't valued enough for them to be widely available um for mass consumption so we won't know but we do i think understand that our current experience of gender is not the same as pre-colonial experience of gender our current experience of gender particularly in post-apartheid south africa what a polite term post-apartheid and whatever south africa is right now you know in in between south africa in between apartheid and actual post-apartheid south africa it's mostly a result of heavy colonial influences and the melting pot of of assimilation and segregation and brutalization and all the asians um but seriously that mixing pot does kind of leave us in this place that we are at today all of these survival mechanisms all of the society that existed before current south africa does create the way that current south africa um manifests or performs gender and relationships between genders um now specifically in the black community and specifically with black men and women i think that it would be disingenuous to ignore that the effect that migrant labor policies that the group areas act that um women being legally considered minors into perpetuity um has on our society i think that it would be disingenuous to ignore that patriarchy does set up a reward for men not wanting to dismantle it because it promises the idea of whiteness and whiteness over here um defined as power and not like a person's complexion or hair type or whatever but in the political sense of power and how um it requires mechanisms like race like patriarchy in order to function as reward and punishment systems to keep it upheld right we can't ignore that maybe the reason why black women do feel this isolation even within freedom movements is because the system that 
is being attempted to be reformed or um, revolted against and um, replaced does pretend to reward black men. And not many people are brave enough to storm their castle. Not many people are brave enough to jeopardize their own illusion of privilege. Um, that, I think, is a conversation that you can't overlook when you're talking about gender relations between black men and black women because the little privilege that black men have in a world that honestly does consider them invisible until it needs them to be an implement in its toolbox, until it needs them to be a tool for whatever it's doing. In that world, the little bit of privilege that a human being does does become fuel for him being what we today experience as the perplexing idea that is black men. You know? This is not a conversation that can be had in one episode, especially when you go to that place of just the current state of what a black man is. But in that world where he is invisible until he is a tool, I can see then how if there's this person who loves him, be it a mother, a sister, a friend, a lover, a neighbor, whatever, that then because you love him, you see him. If you love him, then you'll see him as whatever he needs in that moment. If in that moment he needs you to see him as a superhero, then you must be a damsel in distress. If he needs in that moment you to see him as the big boss, then you must be a subservient like servant. If he needs you in that moment to see him as a child, then in that moment you must be his parent. I can kind of see how that would then get to where black men do genuinely feel a sense of entitlement to black women. Like you guys should accept us the way we are no matter what. And if you love us, then why are you constantly complaining about us? And if you love us, then why do you say this about us? And if you love us, then why aren't you doing this? I think it is a side effect of a world that doesn't see black men as full human beings. Doesn't allow them to express themselves and be full human beings. But now, if a world that pretends to reward black men and does have um, kind of crumblets of power to give to them. Can you imagine the nothingness that it's giving to black women, what that must feel like? Then it's understandable why we're exhausted. It's, It's like the world expects me to hold space for it. That's the role of black women. You're their nurturer, you're their mother, you're their magician, you're their healer, you're their feeder. You are their resource. I mean, whoever needs something, they can come to you, they'll surely get it. You're so dependable, so so reliable, but yet volatile. So we're also not human beings. We're implements for the desires of the world and we hold space for the world to be, to be magic. And it is too much of a fight for us to get to be our own magic because we also have to fight within our own communities to, to be that. With these two experiences of violence and within most cases for women, a, a lot of the violence also coming from the men in the black community, is it then such you know, a confusing question that the gender relations within the black community are the way they are. I don't think so. I think it makes perfect sense considering our historical context. As individuals, right, again, the idea of gender as men and women, um, 
because stats are collected about men and women, which actually is second intermission. It's so important, right, for somebody to begin a project where we actually start counting non-gender conforming people, gender queer people, because it's very different to properly address a community if you if, if it's never counted. And yes, there are dangers to being counted and recorded because we live in such a violent society. But if you're not counted, it's very difficult for you to be accounted for and properly represented. Um, I hope on our next census, there's actually a form that allows space for us to consider more to gender than men and women. I hope that when you fill in stuff, bank accounts, that Google, that like all of these institutions that we live with in our society, private and public, actually start to consider the breadth of gender because the reason that I'm not addressing um, is because there isn't a proper record of relations of all of the genders right like there's a record of men and women men and women men and women men and women so there's this erasure of other genders and the full expression of gender and even the full understanding of everybody being an encompassing of not just one gender because gender is a social construct just like So yeah, intermission over. Anyways, back from the intermission, like I was saying, I think um, within this context, there's a lot going on in terms of the way that genders relate to one another, specifically in the black community, because as individuals, we're dealing with a lot. We're dealing with systemic oppression systemic just like continued foot on our necks and as individuals even before we begin to relate with one another we're having to navigate ourselves our identities create and recreate ourselves within these circumstances while still allowing ourselves to thrive and our ambitions to flourish and that is difficult and because I think millennials are like the first like free generation in the sense of our adulthood is being experienced in democracy. We don't fully have the support of like people who are experienced with this type of society to help guide us through and facilitate our beingness in our relationships. Meaning Yes, the generations before us have been alive. In other words, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, you know, your parents' friends, all your, your parents' um, friends, your friends' parents, all of that. But they were growing up in a world that was different to the world that you're growing up in now. They were growing up with certain ideologies. So in, in a lot of cases, black women and women are equipped by those people to function in a world that doesn't exist anymore either because it is a fantasy and a dream of what democratic South Africa will be from, you know, the men and the women in your life or because it is a vestige of what apartheid South Africa was like. And so we still haven't asked ourselves who is a black man in democratic South Africa in terms of let us define this ideal because we are upset at who he is right now, but we haven't like redefined him similarly we're not asking ourselves who is a black woman in democratic south africa and that's not gonna come from our parents because they came into adult Sarah came into adulthood under apartheid guys he's not going to tell us who a man is who a woman is in democratic south africa lindo is not gonna do that for us as i think millennials post-millennials it, it's up to us to define this and to have honest real conversations with each other it is difficult because like i said this is close to home it's triggering i don't want to hear a lot of but you and finger waving and feminism is a cancer to the black society and men are trash and all of that like there are men that i love in my family who are problematic as 
fuck. But I still love them. And I don't want to hear about them being trash. Because I grew up to a kotas mund. Now is it frustrating? If some of them are not remorseful. If some of them aren't interested in re- rehabilitating themselves and reforming. Hell yeah. But they're still human beings. And these are human beings that I love. And I think oftentimes on our timelines. We forget that these are actual human beings. That we live the day to day. We have very strong like politics with our thumbs but with our real lives <laughs> and i think that's actually what this conversation is about is who are we in post-democratic south africa men and women black men and women specifically who are we what does this mean? What does and you're going off with Maddie someplace, you're lying to me. Because what the hell do I care about the truth? I care if you're there. You let Billy Holiday say, hush now, don't explain. All right, I accept that. Of course, of right, course you lie to me. And I don't even want to care. I thought, what does the truth matter? And why are you going to be truthful with me when you lie to everybody else? You lied when you smiled at that cracker down the job, right? Lie to me, smile. Treat me the same way you would treat him. I can't treat you. You must. Treat him. You must. Because I've caught the I've caught the frowns and the anger. He's happy with you. Of course he doesn't know you're unhappy. You grin at him all day long. You come on when I catch hell because I love you. I get least of you. I get the, I get the very minimum. And I'm saying, you know, fake it with me. Is that too much of the black woman to ask of the black man? And we're back. That was Nikki Giovanni and james baldwin in conversation a beautiful two hour special from 1971 what it's still relevant today i think it speaks to how none of these thoughts or questions are new they're conundrums that we've consistently been facing and that young people specifically because nikki says a thing that I think it's still true today it's it's a feeling that i think now is not just being felt by women only but even men of like lie to me fam since you and i don't know how to have an honest relationship let's just lie to one another and pretend to get along then um and maybe then we'll learn what harmony looks like for us because being real is hurtful I think that that's so powerful. And that's our moment of pop history in the pop rant. Um, it's incredibly valuable. I will post the link to the full special in the show notes. And I'll tweet it out. Because I think, do yourself a favor and watch it. They discuss a lot of things about the state of black America at the time. This is 71. Nikki Giovanni is 28, 27, 28. And James Baldwin is like close to 60 and they have this convers this really honest conversation she, um she has a delicious style of interviewing also because it, she's not just like shooting questions at him she is like sitting there as a young person speaking to an elder having a beautiful conversation to expand herself but also to dig deep into his beautiful mind i think that that is the way that every good interview should be conducted so that's lovely but i also found it beautiful because this was a question that i wanted to have um a discussion around for the episode and it felt timely that it would pop up into the public consciousness um at around that time so i think it's an interesting thought lie to me you lie to everybody of course they don't know you're unhappy you smile at them all day i catch the hell because i love you because i love you i get the least of you Ooh, that's deep depth a lot to be unpacked um but like i said pop history and from it i think we could learn a lot and ask ourselves a lot of questions are we lying in our relationships are we lying about who we are are we lying to the people who love us the most and so what would it take for us to be honest 
And what's the small thing that we can do to be honest with one another? Can it be just a simple, how was your day? This was my day. Can it be starting to journal? Can it be really interrogating the types of consent that you have functioning in your life? Do you actually, have you ever sat down with anybody in your life and spoken about consent and not just sexual, but even in terms of like time? Have you spoken about the way you will treat each other's time? Have you spoken about the way that you will treat each other's names? The way that you will speak about one another and to one another? I think that that's like a beginning of a truth that um, that conversation from 71, I saw and yet over how old it is and that it's still relevant in today and that it's relevant for a society like across the Atlantic. We have more in common than not. I think the internet is proving this um, in a beautiful way. So that was the moment of pop history in pop present. Rather for the pop brands, I really want to talk about The Queen and The River. These are phenomenal shows, guys. I've been standing them for so long, but I also was not ready to watch them because... I like to get sucked into shows, guys, and talk about them in, you know, um, in really nerdy ways. This is a point for an intermission. Okay. Intermission in. Um, I think you might have noticed that though this podcast started on the 19th of December, the first three episodes are gone. They're not on the feed anymore. This is because um, I just felt like removing them. Because I feel like sometimes the internet must be used as a study in impermanence that's the beauty of stories or at least before highlights that's the beauty of snapchat is that things disappear i think that's that was the wondrous thing about radio is that you had to be in the moment experiencing it taking it in so i will still celebrate the anniversary of this year's show on the 19th of december because i think i posted a story like a few days ago about how the 19th of december i always seem to start something that I continuously enjoy. Um, but in one of those episodes is something that I'm going to talk about now. So intermission over. So yeah, like I was saying, in the episode, I think it's nice part two. Oh, nice part one. Look, one of the nicest. I actually talk about being Mary Jane in a really nerdy way. It, I, I need to be able to like fully roll around in a story um, for me to watch it. So I needed to give myself time, wait for both these series to go to show max so that I could watch episodes over and over again to fully see the foreshadowing, to watch them technically and look at lighting, think about the script and the direction that was happening. You know, really appreciate it as a piece of work, as art, as social commentary and not just as escapism for me and catharsis, right? So I'm finally watching the shows and they are perfection. I love a good telenovela. And I honestly think South Africa is like one of those societies that can do telenovelas really well because you need a certain level of like ungovernableness and melodrama to properly execute a telenovela. And I mean, again, all you need to do is switch on the news and you know we've got this. Like, have you all been you, you could watch a greasy's testimony on mute and you're still getting tea that's like just the the too much that we do as a nation so i think we're perfect for for like um telenovela and the queen is a spice telenovela by ferguson films i stand ferguson films and the range that specifically the women on the cast are giving us i mean the fire being presented by Connie Ferguson in her making what I call alternative decisions and that she doesn't emote the way that we typically see women emoting on television. Um, she emotes in, in a subtle, um, it's like 
you you want to peel it back and look even deeper into it and i think that that's incredibly satisfying to watch it makes it so much more believable because people don't always express these like cut and paste emotions people don't always wail when they're upset people don't always scream when they're irritated sometimes you you play it out really quietly and internally but like it's deep you know it, it doesn't it's not any less of an emotion just because you didn't go all the way there and similarly with the river look let me tell you we had forgotten that cindy latu is queen of range guys you in one episode you see her go to so many places and yet it's still the same character like you don't lose um the sense of her being this woman both stories i think are phenomenal because the women are protagonists and they have they have relationships that i think a lot of us and the relationships that we see in our day-to-day lives where the woman has to get things done the woman is like protecting everybody making sure the family keeps moving forward um if and when the man is not there anymore and what for whatever reasons either because of the chinese war situation that needs to happen between mr and mrs lamini because i think mrs lamini works in like government and like she has a mining company so they need to set up like a chinese war situation so obviously she's gonna have to like take care of stuff and we also do in the first three episodes get introduced to the idea of her having had a hard life and so there's certain things that she's just not willing to go back to experiencing anymore um and in the queen she had to kill her husband because he was an asshole um and it's a telenovela so obviously the way that problems are solved is with murder and kidnapping or whatever else it's a telenovela when they're not being rational what they're doing is helping you process your own feelings in the most unreasonable melodramatic ways possible um that they've hit it on the nail i think is fabulous because i think the critique when this genre was starting to happen with telenovelas a lot of people were saying south africans don't know how to do telenovelas blah blah blah, blah. i remember this was a conversation that was happening all over the place and it was because there's a certain level of melodrama and just that needs to occur for it to be a fulfilling telenovela and it also needs to be i think niche is the word but very narrow but deep in terms of that subject matter and yeah our earlier stuff was more drama and soap than these two which are really just giving you too much of exactly what you need and what i needed specifically for this episode was to see a south african media example of black women and black men in relationships it's so refreshing because there's so much diversity in interaction um just as i I think i spoke about diversity in media with hair last week but here you see it in the way that there's not just this one way that the men and the women in the stories relate to one another it isn't this just like textbook this is what it is all men in africa like this all men in africa like this it's like different types different iteration different perspectives and there is not a sense of it's not this overt sense of this person is wrong you will experience um the characters judging each other but it doesn't sound like the writer or the story is judging the characters it's just giving them to you in this perspective that they're in and i think that that's beautiful in helping us to define who we are as men and women in this south africa because like i said the old folks aren't gonna tell us they don't know they know how to be adults in the world that they know the world that they fantasized about before this one happened in this world we're gonna have to do the work so i think these types of stories really help us like because we're watching ourselves in really in different ways and in extra ways um because there's so much um emphasis placed on certain characteristics by a hyperbole it's very somewhat 
easier not very but it's somewhat easier when you're watching ourselves for us to like process ourselves and construct ourselves differently because there are lots of things that you do not think about until you're in that situation until you're in harriet's situation you do not know if you would order a hit on your husband so that you're not out on the street and watching him live in the house you built with his maid well with yule's current maid and his like mistress but you're not thinking about yourself in such extreme terms until it's presented to you. And because it's being presented to you in, as a type of escapism, you get to think about yourself that way. And I think in some ways you get to like construct yourself as a woman. I think we see this even play out with our... Oh, there's an actual word for this. Oh. But like... Pop culture functions as a type of mythology for us, as a type of modern mythology, because we are consuming these people that we love and that we do consume as though they are not human beings because we don't know them intimately in our day-to-day life, although social media can make us feel like we do, right? So pop culture functions as a mythology because it tells us about ourselves in really extra ways through people that we do like to tell ourselves are superhuman. So I'm going to use the example of again aka and Zinche, but this time including bonang in that there were certain ways that a lot of people were playing out their own identities and projecting them onto the situation that was going on there and then when you finally could get involved there people would then project that onto that whoever would get involved pearl to see everybody who would like end up in the mingling of what was going on people would we would use that to work through our own internal stuff so whether quietly like a normal person and in your journal or whether on the twitter streets like a normal person and on your timeline but either way it was i think again yet another way that like we can be if we do it like with awareness we can be constructing ourselves as people because these are opportunities for us to figure out who are we as men and women in this right now moment i think maybe that's the answer to our current state of affairs ask the question enough and there'll be less gender-based violence yeah right i wish but i do think it's a start like ask yourself who you are instead of recycling and rearranging other people's thoughts and presenting them as your own because i think that's what what's happening they're not functioning in this world and the consequences are different in in some cases because it's not the same world that you were ingesting them from it's not the same world that they were formed in this is kind of a new world and so you need to have kind of different ideals and ideas and concepts of yourself and who you are so i think pop culture figures are like important for that i mean like Moonchild and in and busiswa with midnight staring do again present that vibe of like who are you um I think just as ideas and as artists and who they present themselves as allowing us to consume them to consume them as concepts and concepts that present ideas to us mm. and with midnight staring the narrative I mean Munchal then does it again with Nakelan does it again with Iwo Kepara where it's like this question you get to superimpose yourself onto an ideal and then work yourself out and make decisions about yourself and i think that's the value of pop culture i think maybe that's why i love it so much because it is art i really do like oh andy warhol basquiat picasso before them oh michelangelo and the lot like during their time they were the pop culture I wonder if they were appreciated in fact they were who am i kidding they're appreciated as much like because i knew he was picasso they're appreciated as much during their time but i think we've become a culture that like doesn't think pop culture is like real culture and it is it's a subset of the stuff that we have decided to obsess about more than the rest of our culture and i think we can use it to work through ourselves as people i think that we can use pop culture to work through ourselves as people that's why we love the people we love that's why we love cardi b because in this way watching her helps her us work through ourselves as people and i think there's value in that also please like Shamax is not paying me but still 
they should be since I'm going to be talking so much about shows here hmm. if you're from Showmax and you're listening head a girl up until then watch the queen and the river fam so we can talk about it because they're fire shows even outside of today's theme they're fire shows I'm like going to be back here gagging about all of the stuff that's happening on there I think that's all for the pop brands. Nothing particularly interesting has happened. Enough for me to want to talk about. Yeah, nah. If it has, I mean, it's not the top of my mind, so I don't think it's valuable enough. Let's discuss here. So that was the pop brand. Mm, time for story time now. Still don't know what I'm going to be talking about. Okay, so this is what happens in my life. Like, there was this day, maybe a moment, maybe a season, so could be happening. These are the occurrences, these are the bread dogs. So you're my life. It's life. Okay, so this week's story time is not so much story because I honestly don't have one for you. Um, In so much as it is a question, have you ever questioned your gender? And like very seriously, not um, in the sense of have you ever felt queer or whatever, but like have you ever sat down and asked yourself whether you're performing a gender that was assigned to you and given to you or whether this is a gender that you've constructed yourself. I think that's like an interesting thing to sit with. Are you doing you or are you doing what you have to do to survive? Or are you doing what you've been taught to do? Are you scared to try something else? This is interesting. Like, I know I've, I've asked myself these questions. Because when you are, like, a type A personality, when you're, like, an overachiever who tends to be a perfectionist, you do get vilified, like, as a black woman. Um, for being that kind of person, you get, like, vilified as, like, difficult and, like, extra and, like you know trying to be this and trying to be that and so you do start to think of yourself you get like called um hyper masculine all of those things so you do start to think like and hmm? um so i know like it's a consistent thought that i've not taught myself to have and just reveling and enjoying the balance of like masculinity and femininity within me and and also accepting that I am quite the femme because I'm I never thought of myself as that because again it would get projected onto me that I'm quite masculine because I want things to be a certain way and outside of that and I'm I would like to be difficult to fuck over because I don't like playing trackhead games with my life and so that gets understood as masculine and so I had a lot of masculinity projected onto me and then when you think about it and you start to like see yourself i realized like there there's a lot of typically feminine shit that i do like you know like long nails long hair pink 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 i mean it's obnoxious really fluffy things glitter sequins a lot of like catalyst like marketing feminine bullshit but then also in terms of my like sensibilities with a lot of things i do tend to be quite firm so that's a story time think about it if you want to share at this at here is humans on instagram at here is humans on twitter show up on the anchor app look for the humans podcast and drop us a message let us know about your thoughts about your gender do you question it and if so in what ways like in very serious ways or simple ways where you don't like lead yourself into then what does it mean because i think it's a very different conversation the what does it mean it's not necessarily questioning your gender in as much as it is experiencing living out being defining it um questioning it is really just sitting there with yourself like yo what's going on with me who am i what socially so i think that's fitting let's go into the sound bite which is going to be different 
but it will still be a sound bite. Okay, we're back. This is a sound bite. The sound bites. The sound bites for this week. Remember, sound bites are about music-based content, and this week's music-based content is 444, the footnotes. Um, so it's gonna be me in conversation with the footnotes, and less about me going through them track by track. The footnotes. It's, it was like a series of visuals, like a docu series thing. That Jay-Z did with a lot of um, other like prominent men talking about the topics that he discussed in his song. Think like decoded but like in a video and conversation about the tracks in 444. You can watch it on Tidal. It was beautiful. It was one of my favorite things about a 444 offering were those footnotes. And the music videos were considered elements of the footnotes. So the story of OJ music video was an element of it but then there was also a conversation around it um the like way that they're presented is that it's like you're watching a director's cut of his short films and the short films were what you would conventionally consider um music videos his music videos were presented as shorts um the the what's it called the beginning credits are like presented as shorts and he uses like different like genres of storytelling different genres of um presentation to say that to us like animation like um what can you call it what can you call the way that kill jay-z is and and shot but it's very cinematic is what i'm trying to say the music videos are cinematic and then the footnotes are kind of like a director's note it's like um that like special edition offering on on the dvd if you all remember those if you do not know what a dvd is life has gotten really complicated in 2019 but it's literally that it's like the it feels like you're watching the director's cut but it's not just you listening to the director talk about the work it's also you listening to the conversations around the 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 perspective that informed the director's work so in the same way that these films were an expression of cultural discourse the cultural discourse that informed the the music that they that they pair up with the director's cut is okay this is the mind of the person who put this together in this case jay-z and this is what he has to say about what he meant and you know you you get to understand like his his perspective as the artist and not necessarily use the work to channel yourself and your and your construction of who you are as a person but it's also the understanding of okay he's saying this so in my construction and in my um consuming of his work it's now like a conversation so you're having a conversation with him in the way that the footnotes are made and because then it adds this conversational element because he's talking with other guys about it it's then also now a, a rooting a grounding of his perspective in the discourse in popular culture but also in his intimate like culture because i obviously these are like curated voices because he's not talking to like every man he's not talking to everybody so these are like curated voices people who i'm assuming he picks because he's aware of the weight that they have on his consumption and on the way that he's perceiving the world these are people whose voices are like affecting the way that he is understanding his world that's possibly why then he invites the people there or if they do get shot he like uh, invites their pieces their conversation their two cents into the docky series which is what i'm calling it um i think maki is more like it because it's um it's produced it, it it's not just happening it's not just a camera following a conversation around it is produced in the sense of a conversation to set up their prompts the prompts being the music so I enjoyed consuming, I still enjoy consuming the footnotes of 444 because it's such a well thought out and compelling way 
to make and to present i still do think because of the subject matter because of the social context and because of the i think media context is what we can call it 444 does not get the recognition it should be getting because of the time at which it is made and i think that ironically that in itself functions as social commentary because we said this earlier this is a world where black men are invisible and the same thing happened with the record that a lot of people assume 444 is in conversation with and i don't fully agree but okay a lot of people assume that lemonade is in conversation with 444 and the same thing happened with lemonade where it didn't get the type of recognition the weight of what it should have and in itself it that 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 the way that critics the way that the that peers treated that in terms of it being under awarded is the same thing that happened with 444 in terms of it being under awarded in that black men and black women are invisible until people need something from us until they want to take something from us we're invisible so of course an honest conversation an honest offering of our realities and our existence will be ignored and under awarded so it was in this weird way i i enjoyed even watching people stick their noses up in the air in response to this work because it it was a self-read like the industry was reading itself it, it was literally like another layer of commentary on this layer of commentary because that's exactly what he's saying he's saying you do not see me you do not see me as a full human being until you want to take something unless you want to take my body and place it in a narrative to serve your interests and that is exactly what gets done by it not being considered as a valid form of art even in discussions like people are really afraid of speaking about 444 as art as work and when it is challenged it's it's like called geriatric rap which first of all rude if like 40s are geriatric what is 20s then like this is how people end up with like midlife crises because what do you mean but um seriously though i think that a lot of the critiques are informed by that it's such a triggering subject matter like it's a difficult thing to talk about and he goes there because he can afford to so 444 is it's beautiful i think and the footnotes and when i say 444 i'm not talking about just the the album i mean the entire project that is 444 i'm still all the way upset that i didn't get to see the tour like all the way there i mean i got to saw a special i got to see hmm, got to saw well that's that's what the language is doing these days but i got to see a special edition of like on the run songs that they'll probably never be able like be able to perform the way they did ever again because how are you going to get ed sharon and pharrell to be in the same place as you ever again to be able to perform like nice and perfect live honestly i mean i i I got my full serving um after being incredibly upset at not being able to see like any of the tour stops of 444 but still i'm still upset about it because i think the entire offering was so valuable and it's such a powerful moment in pop that we won't as we were living through it we perhaps understood it, but because it's such a difficult conversation, it's something that we're going to be able to look back to and be like, yo, that happened in our own lifetimes. In this one life, that happened. Um, and that just adds to the beauty of this project. The footnotes were incredibly interesting. They were beautiful to watch because you were seeing men, but specifically black men, be vulnerable in public which is a thing that real life they can't afford to do all over the world they can't afford to do because like i said earlier when you're being perceived as an implement in someone else's toolbox um there is like real consequences for your vulnerability it can be like weaponized and used against you so it was beautiful to see though um people having these honest conversations and saying stuff that like because i'm not living these people's lives like i was hearing some of that stuff being like that's some crackhead assery like what like there's this one moment um 
where they essentially all of them talk about how fucked up it is like as a guy you'll do shit you'll do shit and then just when you start getting your shit together and your girl's had enough and she leaves i was like what what and what what do you say what language what what wait how does your brain work what's messed up is that when you got when you get your shit together she wants to leave what's messed up is not that you were doing nonsense in the first place that's not what was messed up what's messed up is that she's had enough really really guys but it was still a beautiful docuseries nonetheless because you got to be inside the con like it's a thing that men don't do a lot like we grew though if you were like me you had Auntie Nolene and Mum Oprah as your surrogate parents raising you. Like, we have. There was um, Rachel Ray, there was Ricky Lake, there was um, Felicia Mabusa Sattel, there were the ladies Bamutuako. I mean, as women, we have so many platforms where we get to be vulnerable and have conversations in public. And I guess sometimes to our detriment, but we gain more, I think men don't have as much because the patriarchy like brainwashes them into thinking that talking isn't good talking isn't strong but you find your strength in being able to think about the way that you think and to be able to talk about the way that you talk and to be able to like just put your life out there and examine it and sometimes not all that seriously like just literally look and be like oh this is how i live oh, okay well which a daytime talk and even late night talk allows us as women to do like i think that's why we flourish and enjoy social media so much and i do think social media has become that place for a lot of men the podcasts that exist where men get to have these conversations like outside of like the ones where people just talk about sport i mean there are lots of podcasts that even and they slight problematicness um do give hold space for men where it's men being able to have certain conversations that they otherwise wouldn't be having i think that that's important now yet another intermission intermission in i've got serious beef with the south african podcasting landscape because there are lots of like really interesting people really smart people i mean if you talk to people walk around but they're not making podcasts. So our podcasting landscape is quite bland with a lot of people bootlegging US versions. I don't know how many budget the reads I've listened to. Um, I really, really, really want to encourage anybody listening here to like pick up your phone, download like N-Track if you're using Android, if you've got like an, an iPhone get into your garage band and record your own podcast put it out there like everybody's deep therefore everybody can put up meaningful content onto the internet if you've got a twitter feed or an instagram feed or even a blog like talk once a week about whatever you want to talk about i think that would be fun and tweet the link at us or hit us up on the anchor app or here is humans on instagram so you can share because i really think the south african podcast landscape could be doing way better the five podcasts that are out there a lot of them are just like copying whatever's been successful over the sea like we don't have a wealth of slayage and awesomeness happening on this far point of the continent and the mission over so i'm back and the point is i enjoyed it because we don't see men having that often like i wanted to send it to so many of the men in my life but then i was like i might seem like i'm being petty when i'm really just like so excited and i just want to be like oh my gosh watch this watch this i think this is so dope i think this is so fun oh my gosh what do you think um so i actually haven't gotten experience to talk to men privately like outside of like you know the public scrutiny of timelines about what they thought about it because I don't want to be seen as petty. I might actually do it and then talk about it on my Snapchat. What I think about the responses I got. Because I do think its power was that it was such a prominent man that like it's at the point where very little could remove his masculinity from him in the sense of what patriarchal symbols of masculinity are. 
um and so he can afford the risk he, he can afford to like take that risk of like yo let's let's get real um the chats weren't hyper woke but also like nobody's born woke are you um if so we can call it an altar call right now and cast that lying spirit out of you um so i wasn't expecting them to be hyper woke i wasn't expecting them to be like the male equivalent of intersectional feminist slash plus womanist twitter um, they were beyond what i expected because i thought maybe like it would just be one of the docu style women are talking and then like it just kept going on and on and on and people were saying shocking astonishing things things that don't get admitted in public often i really enjoyed it and there's actually a a soundbite episode that i might drop i'm actually gonna drop it this week because i kind of owe you guys an extra episode since i chickened out of dropping this episode last week because look i had to pull this i had to pray this episode out of me i had to fast and wear white for this episode to come out of me it was a difficult place to get to this place that i'm talking to you right now it just was i do not know why it was a war inside of me for me to be able to talk like this I would like to get ethereal and spiritual about it and say it was all the people in my blood just really like arguing and trying to get their point across, you know, all the women, all the black women in my blood, all the black men in my blood, you know, all had something to say and that's why it was so difficult to get out. But I think real life, it's the type A overachieving um, perfectionist in me that wanted, that didn't want this to be me rambling at this app I, I wanted to be saying something meaningful and be adding value to the public discourse about this um so i'm gonna drop two episodes i'm gonna drop a throwback of a soundbite episode about jadena's boomerang <laughs> i'm dropping it because i think there's a moment in that episode where I refer to Bambi 2 as 444 light. In look, I had I have my own issues with that specific song. And when you listen to the episode, you'll you'll know what they are. Um But I think it did challenge a lot of musicians to venture into like literal conversation now. Then there's the place of when you have people being publicly honest. We sometimes do rain down on them, which is why I do think that the fact that it was like such a powerful man putting a lot of powerful women, men, women, I wish, powerful men into rooms and having these conversations with like powerful in the sense of, you know, it, it, the it, the it boys of the moment, the it guys of the moment, the it humans of the moment the it men's of the moment the it males of the species of the moment the it ones um putting them on in the different types of power going on in there and so you being mad at them spilling their feelings is not it won't take any of them down whereas i do think for like joe bloke on the street because it's still patriarchal society that condemns men um being vulnerable specifically black men being vulnerable and having certain conversations and in the ideal world this is happening larger scale i know Sonke gender justice has been trying to get like black men to really do this at a larger scale i think maybe a talk show wouldn't work i think the answer is a podcast y'all i think the answer is a podcast somebody make a podcast where guys talk about guy shit i think that that would be part of like this whole thing because the beauty of footnotes is 
that it's a thing that I think all human beings deserve. All human beings deserve a place where they can talk and where they can see themselves talking about stuff that happens in their head that they maybe feel they're the only ones going through. Do you get what I mean? I think I think it was beautiful. Like I said, this would be a different soundbite because I'm not talking about the tracks but rather a piece of music based entertainment or art that does speak to music. I don't want to talk about each other footnotes in relation to the songs because I think in as much as the footnotes are prompted by the songs, the songs come from the conversations that the footnotes are like an eavesdrop of in the sense that these are conversations that have been happening for all of time um, and Jay-Z being an artist is like channeling them into music or channeling them as music and then translating them into public conversation but to talk about them the same way that I would do music I think would misrepresent them and where they came from so I'm not going to do that I'm going to leave it where it is and I will say I think for this specific segment it actually would have been rewarding to have a guy in maybe I'll redo it one day this was just oh you know what we'll do when i finally do talk about 444 the album we'll have a guy in mm-hmm. i think that would be fun either way that's this week's show thank you so much for listening um show up on the social medias everywhere on the internet it's here as humans the humans podcast leave us a rating wherever you're listening to us on five stars or a thumbs up or whatever the app you use does um if you like it share it with everybody you know if you don't like it listen again i'm still with you and you have just listened to the humans podcast thank you so much <laughs>